0: in the Watch Enthusiast universe. The Watch Enthusiasts are represented by two separate yet equally unimportant human beings. KC, who has nothing, and John John, who knows nothing. This is their podcast. The Casey and
1: John,
2: John John
0: Show!
3: Hello everybody, and welcome to the 45th. Inaugural episode of KC and... John John. That's right. Welcome back, everyone. And of course, uh, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, the 40 series of episodes, (laughs) um, it's actually the 39 series of episodes. And we've covered this extensively, haven't we, John? Yeah, quite a bit in the past, what, five episodes? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, because we Chinese people don't like number four, because it's unlucky. So this is actually episode thirty-nine <laughs> fi I I don't know. I honestly haven't been uh, keeping track, but I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. The last one was
2: E. So yeah, this so thirty-nine
3: F episode. Uh, again, <laughs> if you don't approve of this alphanumeric <laughs> system for our episodes, please direct your complaints to Marshall at Marsh underscore Kai on Instagram. And, interestingly enough. We actually have him on today to take yeah. all your complaints. Hi, Marsh. Hi, <laughs> hey, Marshall. Oh, I'm greeting
1: you with my first aneurysm of the day. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but fuck. Oh, <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. This this is just uh, how we like you. Oh, we, can, we, can feel, we can feel the
2: waves of your aneurysm uh, <laughs> you know, disrupting space-time. Yeah, you
3: can see the sound waves on the on the screen as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah that's I, I can physically feel the pain, even. <laughs> so... Uh, we we are doing a little bit of an unconventional episode today, because uh, we're going to start off right off the bat with a bit of breaking news uh, for our first weekly segment of the week. And uh, mm-hmm. this this is some amazing breaking news. I don't think anyone has heard of this before. No, certainly uh, not a few months ago. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. Uh, no one's heard of this for months, for sure. Uh, the brand Dietrich is releasing a new series of watches. Yes. Called the Skin Diver One. Yes. You know, and, and we are the first uh, people in the world to talk about it. Uh, don't, don't check that. Don't look that up. <laughs> and again, if you do look that up and you have problems, Marshall is here. So, uh, yes. Uh, and, and because, you know, in light of this amazing uh, news, mm-hmm. we've decided to invite the person behind this new release to join us on the podcast today. And uh, yes. say, hi, Mr. Emmanuel Dietrich.
0: Hi, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting your name right? <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Emmanuel is a uh, perfect <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay. So, yeah. Uh, again, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know and you didn't guess, he is the guy behind Dietrich. You know, in case that wasn't obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, again, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, dear, uh, Mr. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, whatever, um, mm-hmm. would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin?
0: Oh, I uh, was expecting uh, more precise questions, actually. <laughs> it's a very vague subject. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just, you know, mm, okay. who are you? No,
2: where you were born, <laughs> Yeah, yes, we went to high school, your first absolutely. crush. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, imagine yeah, this yeah. is a date. Oh, oh my, my <laughs> first crush was before. so <laughs> I have a very long story here. <laughs> <laughs> it was the daughter of a police chef from a village. <laughs> I'm still afraid to speak about it. <laughs> guys, guys, you opened up a can of worms. This, now,
3: this is genuine breaking news. <laughs> but yes, um, I mean, you know, just let, let us know where you are and, and, mm-hmm. and who you are, like, like what you're doing. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So, so I, I was born actually in uh, the eastern part of France, very close to, uh, to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I grew up in Morocco for the first 18 months of my life because my father was a doctor and he was uh, in Morocco uh, mm-hmm. taking care of a the hospital there. So I have a love for sun, but certainly comes from the warmth I felt as a kid on my skin and around my... And um, I went back then to, to France where I grew up. Mm-hmm. In a small village and uh, in a family that was a bit weird, but uh, okay. <laughs> 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 I think we and, can be late. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, and I came to, to design, uh, generally speaking, very early. Um, yeah, I, I told it before, but. It's uh, my, yeah, my family was against violence, generally speaking, and against uh, weapons, etc. Mm-hmm. And as I was six, I just wanted to play with, uh, with weapons like every boy <laughs> in the world of <laughs> <laughs> and destroy all the neighbors. And my mother just told me, hey, you know, Emmanuel, if you want to have weapons, you will have to, to fabricate themselves because I don't buy them. Mm-hmm. And uh, consequently, I started to order tools for all my birthdays and, and, and Christmas uh, really, for years, and started the uh, proper production of weapons for all the village, <laughs> for the kids of a village. Uh, can can so, I clarify what kind of weapons? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, uh, I don't know, the, yeah, uh, carabines and, and, and pistols, etc., until wow. the point uh, where once the, the, the police of a village came to our garden. Mm-hmm. Because we were playing so in you know, a so realistic way that <laughs> the neighbors <laughs> called the police. <laughs> but yeah, uh, on the side I also started to, to make small sculptures and things and stuff, and, and I really spent all my youth in my workshop. So it's really just to yeah, simple way to say I always was into design in a... Mm-hmm. yeah in my very special own way and, and really spent all my time uh, recreating or uh, rethinking objects and, and and doing them so it's just what i do all i do and, and all about my life yeah hmm? design from a young age
3: yes yes, yes absolutely Initially in weapons, <laughs> uh, yeah. So and I regret because
0: <laughs> looking back, it was not a right decision. <laughs> we, uh,
3: I would say that we shouldn't discuss that too much. But you know, we have Marshall here, so you know, no, if no, anything no, comes discuss. up, <laughs> I beg you, let's not go there. This is gonna open up a whole myriad of problems. <laughs> yeah, but that's why you're here to solve no, no, those no. problems. Shut up, John. <laughs> Shut up. But, so I I think all this this story really begs the question, you know, like how how did you go from from you know design in your little workshop, and you know starting with weapons, <laughs> of all things, uh, how how did it end up in watches? You know, how did you get into watches?
0: Well, through uh, through furniture actually, because um, one of the simplest material to work on mm-hmm. is wood because you find it everywhere. So I started to work a lot on wood, and. Um, I made a lot of uh, try to, 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 to do like some, some uh, internship or thing like this uh, by artisans of the surrounding. Um, and I ended up in, a, in, back then in France, you had, you could have a very specialized scholarship from the beginning. So the first step, I don't know the, the term in, in English, uh, first degree is back a you know, the first you do with 18. And already then I had specialized in furniture and cabinet making.
2: OK. Um,
0: so I really started to learn uh, practically the, the, the job of doing furniture, also interior design. Mm-hmm. And I continued this path in Paris in a school called École Boulle, like the sphere school, but mm-hmm. Boulle was a cabinet maker of the King Louis XIV. Louis XIV, and uh, this school is is, uh, one of the the best schools for cabinet making, but I studied interior design there. So I came out with with 20 out of school with um, an interior design uh, diploma and started right away almost to work as a freelancer, but more Mm -hmm. on the design side because I had this ability to or passion for objects. So actually, I I don't do what I really studied, but Mm -hmm. it's it's (laughs) my way. And Don't I had to, to do so. You know, back in this time, we had to do a, a military uh, time, uh, and because my family and my brain was against violence, uh, mm-hmm. even if I produced weapon in this stage, <laughs> <laughs> I refused to do this military time. So I had to do the double of time uh, serving in a civil purpose. So. Right. I worked at a natural protection um, you know, thing and at a school in Paris to, to do this time. But just after, with 23, I started freelance, and that's mm-hmm. what i still doing now. So it's okay. very, quite straightforward. So, so
3: from yeah. freelance, is how you went into watches?
0: Actually, the um, I, I was into watches. Kind of naturally because you know the the, the city uh, I didn't grow up in the city but just a couple of kilometers away uh, the area was the watch production area in France uh, okay. we had uh, a lot of companies doing parts or, or complete watches and okay. we had a very big company called Lip L I P you know mm-hmm. it was. A long tradition in France to have French, uh, to, to have a state-owned companies. You know, French was a bit of socialistic back in time. And um, it was a huge company owned by the state. And you always had friends working at LIP in this area. That was yeah, the right. normal thing. Right. And one of the best friends of my father was a prototype maker at LIP, So he was really doing prototype of watches. And he was one of the guys I visited constantly learning from him, uh, etc. so you know, and also my, my mother was actually born on the on the Swiss border, mm-hmm. literally a couple of kilometers away from La chaux de fond
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: <laughs> and her family was also into like wood production or oh, a very uh, low uh, I mean, they, they were very humble and simple people, but they were ever a wood uh, worker or uh, watchmakers. Um, they, they were this typical—it's a very interesting part of the story—this this typical uh, so-called paysan horloger, like uh, ho- horological farmers, who were mm-hmm. producing watch parts in the winter mm-hmm. and having some cows in the summer. Oh. And one of her uncles uh, was. Such a guy. Uh, they, they were doing the, the watches in the in the winter, and they had twenty three kids. Believe it or not, so wow. they had yeah. a, they, they had a house. Uh, it's like a whole with, football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all producing part for watches. So if it was kind of part of you know the family uh, thing, uh, so I, I was surrounded anyway by watches. So I I don't know if it was part of uh, I don't know the influence on me or not, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I also felt deeply in love with the first watch I, I received with seven, mm. uh, that was a small uh, automatic diver watch. Uh, and so I spontaneously, as I started as a freelancer, you know I had uh, the, the yeah the obligation to find clients. And since I was good at, at making things with my hands, and back then, computer was not a big thing. so, I just started to, to do prototypes, to do projects and to just go and present them to companies I knew. Oh, and okay. um, that's how I ended up uh, trying to sell a watch to Swatch, a mm-hmm. plastic mm-hmm. Uh, watch, but I sold it at the end at a, to, a, to a, a free time park in France called Futuroscope. And I did a leather version of, of this watch and I thought for myself, so who does leather? Yeah, Hermes does. So I mm. just tried to sell it to Hermes. And uh, it was a complicated thing to do because it's obviously a big company, mm-hmm. but I was very obstinated and <laughs> um, <laughs> I called and called and called back and the answer was always, "Yeah, you know, we have just one person who can decide about this. It's uh, Jean-Louis Dumas, our CEO and chief and, and everything, but he won't receive you. So I get really pissed off and I didn't have a lawyer like like Marsh on, on my side back then <laughs> and I really regret. Yes. Uh, but I already had... You born. That's true. True fact. <laughs> but I already had some ideas of, of what is, you know, author rights and protection. So I, I wrote a, a letter to, to Mr. Dumas saying, uh, your secretary is keeping telling me to send my project, but I won't. Mm-hmm. I want you to have STA signed for me before I do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, he was a very spontaneous guy, really a fantastic person. And he wrote me personally back uh, a letter I still have saying, Emmanuel, I don't know if I will like your project, but I like your methods. Come and see me with a date three months later. So uh, I went three months later to to Paris, to the main store of Hermès. His office was on the top. I was sweating like a pig in my (laughs) only jacket (laughs) that was green. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) With my my sketches. And he actually received me. He was super kind, uh, liked my project. And um, there was a guy coming by who said, hey, hi, Jean-Louis, how are you? And say, hey, you know, we have a the meeting of choosing the, the new model of watches uh, tomorrow. And so he, he told me, oh, Emmanuel, you know what? Let's go to the atelier, uh, to the workshop and do a prototype of your project. And wow. he just, you know, took me with his driver. I mean, mm-hmm. I never was it a car with leather seats. It was a huge experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> and we just went to the suburb of Paris in, in the new uh, workshop they just built. And actually, he just dropped me at the workshop and we did a prototype. And the day after he called me, Emmanuel, we selected your project, come and discuss the contract. Wow. So it was like, uh, yeah, a fantastic experience for me. And uh, we really did uh, the, the watch, it lasted for almost two years in development, mm-hmm. but it's quite short for Hermès. Mm-hmm. And uh, they produced the watch called Harney. And uh, that was the beginning of my career in watchmaking properly said, because it naturally opened me a lot of, of doors in, in this yep. world. As soon yep. as I could say I did a watch for Hermès, yep. I, I could at least meet the people and, mm-hmm. and present my book. And, and that's why and how uh, I went into watchmaking. Right. Because I'm
3: sure the first time is the most difficult, you know, when, when you've never done anything but watches, yeah. you know? you're uh, just yeah, approaching yeah. a guy like, hey, I have drawings, can, can you take a look at them?
0: Absolutely, right. like everything in life, you know. I have kids. That's the same question every time. How I do my first job, my first case, my first mm-hmm. everything is. Mm-hmm. Have, you have to yep. to prove yep. yourself when the first so it's, hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah it's like the hardest
2: part is
3: getting your foot in the door, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It's really good that you were so persistent.
0: Yes, <laughs> I think it's a it's it's a good thing in life to to be just stupidly obsessed with one idea and pursue <laughs> <through> it. <laughs>
3: But uh, so the brand Dietrich is quite young relatively speaking, right Yes, yeah, it yeah. started in
0: 2010 uh, Yes, around this time, absolutely uh, because i I developed um, so I, I worked for years as a designer for other mm-hmm. companies, and I developed uh, a strong love for my job, but also a kind of a frustration to you know to have to compose with uh, the needs and, and demands and, and also compromise of, of mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, yeah, at some point I want to have my own space to develop my own language without, uh, you know, all these compromises to be Mm done. And I tried to do it uh, in a couple of of projects before, but it didn't really work out. So at some point I said, okay, you know what, I will do just my own way and put my name on the the map to be obliged to, I don't know, felt like, if my name is on it, I have to be honest 100 percent person. So mm-hmm. I started it uh, with watches because obviously it was a field I was knowing very well and, and felt at ease. Mm. And yet it was a lot, yeah ten years of almost now of trying and doing and learning the hard mm. way. But here we are.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm sure your experience, you know, de- designing watches for other brands helped you a lot, right? You would have made contacts yeah. in industry. You would know how things work yeah. and all that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, because a huge part of a job is is you know supply chain and, and how to mm. do things and and uh, and the whole process simply. Uh, so what, what I that that was what I knew and that was a huge help. What I did knew uh, was all the the marketing and commercial side. Here I learned a lot and I learned all my limits uh, because I'm definitely a designer, not a, a marketer or And um, also some other stuff that just hit me in the face, like, I don't know, shipping. I never, uh, I first sold watches and then uh, as they were done, I just learned, uh, oh, I have to ship them worldwide, Oh, I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's VAT, shit, oh, customs, (laughs) (laughs) I I never heard about. (laughs) Uh,
3: Continuous learning process, I think.
0: Yeah so it was a uh, yeah I, I, <laughs> it was painful but <laughs> uh, Yeah, I haven't, don't.
2: having, having sp- spoken to a couple of other designers and watchmakers on our podcast so I just wanted to get your just wanted to get into your mind of like a designer like what 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 uh, what in, what inspires you what inspires your design process or like what um what it's, other designers have you perhaps been inspired
0: by? You have, you know, as a designer, it's, um, or as a person, but uh, I think designers are just uh, particularly visual kind of persons. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have this sensitivity, so you start collecting images and feelings since an early age, and then also feeling while doing things. And I'm persuaded sure you you create like a kind of, of bibliotheque of, you know, uh, stock of materials and, and, and chemical things in your head, and uh, then you just react to stimulations. For me, it, it's it's really a, a chemical process. You know, yeah. you you see something or a client just asks you a question, and it just creates, yeah, a chemical mm-hmm. process in your brain, and you just yeah, like spitting ideas. And if you don't have this, don't be a designer. You know, that's. Um, when, when, when young people come to me and, and ask me what do you have to do, or just question yourself, do you have this ability or not, or, or this, this natural uh, way of walking? You know, it, it's um, so it's difficult to explain. Actually, I'm, I'm not don't have a feeling to do design. I'm just my way of speaking or expressing myself is mm-hmm. just creating things. It's just like speaking for me. Like like people are, are good at math. They just think in a you know, mathematical abstract way, something I absolutely cannot do. I'm terrible at this. I don't understand <laughs> <that> at all. <laughs> I cannot abstract things. I have to imagine everything in form of stuff, of objects, to yeah. conceive things, because that's my way of, of working. So it's, it's not explainable, I think. It's just the way I'm, I'm built. But I
3: think something that's that I've seen in, in uh, you know previous designs that, that were mentioned is um, mm-hmm. organic design,
0: right? Yes, or biological
3: because, design.
0: Yeah, because yeah. The, okay. Part of my personal bibliothèque is nature in a very mm-hmm. strong mm-hmm. way. I grew up uh, into nature. And I'm very thankful for this. Uh, again, in a very small village, three hundred people, uh, just. Yeah, a lot of green, and I was constantly outside in my workshop or on my mountain bike and just driving around. And um, I love nature; it's it's just my 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 yeah my favorite surrounding. But also why I'm, I'm living in Switzerland today, because nature here is for me the, the culminant point of, of it, uh, the most beautiful expression of it, or one of, and. Um, this is something I I try to express in my design and also you know at some point because I was educated in a a time back then where one of the main leading ideas was progress and uh, progress in the 80s was dominating nature somehow and we had to learn the hard way and this is exactly the the thing we are uh, focusing on today but we are actually not dominating nature we are part of nature and that was part of my learning as a designer, that when I do an object, being it in plastic, I'm not uh, going against nature, I'm complementing nature. Nature is all around. We are nature, all we produce becomes a part of nature, and we have to be aware of this. And this, this became a very strong thing for me, and so I started to uh, to think about and say, okay, I have to use this inspiration of mine and try to express it too, because that's important. That that clients, people, customers get this feeling that they don't buy industrial things; they, they just buy yeah pieces of nature. That that man, uh, part of nature itself is producing. So. Uh, it's, I don't know if you understand my thoughts, but yeah, it's... <laughs> sure, sure. Like you yeah. want to
3: incorporate what was around you yeah, into your design. Yeah, yeah, right?
0: yeah. So I really started to think about design in growing objects uh, the way nature would do it, you know, mm-hmm. to try to respect these kind of rules and to understand them deeply. And, and, and that's why I'm honestly trying to do this part of my job the best way I can, to, to just being uh, yeah, kind of organic in my process. All right. Okay. Is, does, mm-hmm.
2: Would that explain why, like, so your watch, your watch cases tend to be like hexagonal in shape, right? And uh, I think tend
0: ten did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, mm. I think the
2: hexa, the hexagon tends to be one of the strongest and most repeated patterns in nature as well. So,
0: yeah, it, it is definitely one off. But uh, here, I must say, um, it is. Also, okay, naturally, this is a form I love because it comes from nature too, yeah. but at some point I also had to, to ask me a very simple question uh, as a brand owner, how can I differentiate my brand from others? Yeah. And I choose this pattern because it is it is part of nature, but also because it was not a pattern that was uh, very common in the watch industry yeah. back then. Because mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that actually
3: leads quite naturally to the next question I wanted to ask actually, because. When you first started your brand, um, mm-hmm. you know you mentioned that um, you didn't want to go through all the red tape, right? All, all the hassles of going through a board and going through a team to make yes. your designs, right? Mm-hmm. But but what did you want your brand to do differently? What what did you how did you want your brand to stand out versus other brands?
0: Uh, at first, I didn't have a plan. I just uh, that was the. the, the difficult and special thing. I just started right away doing just a uh, thing spontaneously and it didn't work at all. Uh, mm. So my, my first watches were not a success. And then, <clears throat> but that was also the idea to, to, to learn uh, during, uh, during the process. And then I had uh, yeah, to, to start to think about uh, things like uh, finding an identity and, and, and trying to develop it. And that's when these thoughts came to life, you know, just just trying to uh, to find a form that, that represents the brand, trying to mm-hmm. uh, to find a, a language a form uh, a design language that, that, mm. that can incorporate uh, the brand and the name.
3: right I, I would definitely say that the, the watches that you have are definitely very distinct. I think I don't think I've seen you know watches that look like that, you know um, the time companion the uh, uh, Oh, I can't remember what it stands for, the OT tree? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the organic time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they do stand mm-hmm. out yeah. versus most other watches in the market. Um, right. So, uh, Ibn mean, though, I did want to ask you, um, you know, for example, in the organic time tree, um, were there any specific design cues? Because, I mean, in general, you're mentioning, you know, that you wanted to integrate nature into the watch. Yeah. but can you mention any specific details that were really like inspired by it? like because um, you know I'm not a design person so can you can you draw a very simple <laughs> picture like one to one like I saw this I like this I made it this part of the watch is there anything like that
0: yeah sure definitely yeah the <laughs> one one obvious thing is uh, are the hands of a watch uh, mm-hmm. that we are reusing actually in the ST1 because I think that was great part and defining part of, uh, of the design mm-hmm. and they are definitely inspired by by uh, tree leaves and and this yep. kind of forms you find everywhere in na- nature right. and uh, this is something that a lot of actually a lot of people reacted uh, very strongly to it uh, finding mm-hmm. it maybe too feminine or too fluid or too uh, organic but right. uh, over loves it and uh, it's definitely a strong part of, of the natural inspiration into this watch. Mm. So that, right. that's that's the main aspect. I think also the fact that I tried to have them uh, in 3D, you know, uh, mm. they, they are like going up to the underneath mm-hmm. surface of a sapphire to be closer to the index. And that's also a movement that that reminded me of of nature, like a branch of a tree or something like this. Right. And right. that's actually a, a language the formal language you can find back in a piece, this X piece uh, that was um, maybe difficult to understand, but uh, where I tried to formalize the tension between the four screws holding the the bezel of the watch and uh, to do it also in a very natural way, like uh, the roots of the tree or muscles or Mm -hmm. tendons or something that is really... uh, natural, with with a form that really express tensions. Mm. So these are definitely direct translation of of natural language into the watch, uh, in case of the OT3. Okay.
3: And, and, you know, you mentioned that um, people reacted very strongly. And actually, I think we we discussed this before, I mean, Marshall, John, and myself, that, you know, your watches, because they're very unique. Mm -hmm. And I think when you release something unique, something that no one else does, or no one else has done before, you're always going to get two camps. One group who's like, wow, this is groundbreaking. I love mm-hmm. it. And then you're also going to get the other group who are like, oh, this is so weird. Why, why would you make a watch that looks like that? Uh, I don't like it. Right? You, you get, I think, people who love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You don't really get people in the middle. Are you happy with that? Is that your intention?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's it's difficult to uh, to to learn to live with because mm. uh, you you can conceptualize this, but as a human being, you just want to be loved right. and mm. uh, and successful, etc. Sure. So you have to learn. Um, it, it didn't bother me a lot, but but yeah, you know, the first time my son uh, told me to read the comments on the blog to watch. I had a hard moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, all,
3: all that effort that you put in, right? And then yeah. people are just like, oh, ugly, and then yeah, dismissing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then, you're, and then as a designer, it's like, oh, you know, I have like, why, why don't you understand
2: the, the design process and why things are the way you know, I've, I've designed it?
0: Absolutely. And, and you take it in a very personal way, you know, it's mm. difficult to have a distance. It's, it's, it's like your yes. babies, so yes. you don't want. Uh, but it's okay. I understand it perfectly, and I l- learn to live with it, and, and mm-hmm. I'm good. And uh, I, but I certainly had the, the tendency of, of reacting to this uh, against my will, and that's maybe why, for example, I did the TC after the organic time because mm-hmm. I wanted to do something more mechanical, more you know, <clears throat> something more into metal, harder, uh, because. OT was so organic. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to compensate somehow, and and it mm-hmm. was, but that, that created good things, but also somehow a mistake. Mm. Uh, you should just go your path and ignore everything. Uh, that's that's not the easy thing to do. Yeah,
3: mm, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up the TC one because I did want to mention that as well, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people nowadays, especially, um, are releasing sports watches, sports yeah. steel watches. You know, you've got, of course, Audemars Piguet, Patek uh, mm-hmm. Philippe, and then you know nowadays everyone's doing it. Chopard mm-hmm. and uh, Messier. Mm-hmm. E- everyone's has a, yeah. has a watch now. Um, what what do you think of? And now we have our compulsory <laughs> emergency vehicle <Yeah>. sirens <laughs> coming from John. <laughs> uh, but this is, uh, maybe it's to warn you about this question. <laughs> but uh, basically I wanted to ask <clears throat> you, what, what do you think of people saying that, oh, look, it's another sports watch. They're just copying each other or they're just trying to copy
0: the Royal Oak and the Nautilus. What, what, what do you say to that? It's a normal human reaction, but it's naturally mm. it's stupid because nobody says, oh, it's another diver watch because here people accept it. Yes, <laughs> uh, that was just a pre-existing category but, that was actually started to be created by Rolex. If you, if you look at it, the first brands really doing actual proper all uh, steel metal watches was Rolex and Cartier in the, in the 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gerard Genta just gave it a new twist uh, mm-hmm. in the 70s. And then we came back to this subject, but it's 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 a continuated story. so and and everybody is entitled as a brand to give his own interpretation of of this category. I don't see any problem. But you know, uh, people tend and and have to categorize things. Uh, that's a human reaction, a human mm-hmm. behavior. So they are happy if you, they can do, oh, I understand. They do the, the same thing than these other ones. so mm-hmm. that, that, I don't know, but that calm them down. <laughs> <laughs> I think John. They want and I to have you in a box. Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. John and I we've talked about this, right, John?
2: Yeah, multiple Sports times. watches. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, we've not been very complimentary towards most of them, I think.
2: <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I think I I would say it's more of like uh it's like, oh yeah, we've seen that one before. I wonder where the inspiration was from. <laughs> <laughs> right I mean yeah. but then again it's it's it 's really just the zeitgeist right mm. if that's if that 's popular well, obviously um, that's we 're going to see most of it everywhere
0: yeah. absolutely, yeah. and you know on a personal level, I also had um, uh, okay the t c was two thousand and seventeen, so that means I started to work on it a couple of years before. And as a designer, um, I always was interested in, in who is behind the watches, and I mm-hmm. knew naturally mm-hmm. the, the work of Chiragenta. And his, I went onto his booth on Basel the time they, they still had the, the brand Chiragenta, etc. And it was kind of weird because the, the brand in this time was very complicated in terms of forms and um, complication, but, but looked very baroque, etc. But he was, yeah, a strange personality. I really. Uh, was interested genuinely. And uh, I was really shocked as he died, but no one in the industry said nothing. I mm. mean, there was no obituary, no homage, nothing. Patek just ignored it. Uh, Audemars mm. Piguet, who was already selling good, the, the AP, no communication. Mm. Uh, and I was totally shocked because I said, wow, this guy has dedicated his life uh, to this. Actually, the design is sold to Patek and, and Audemars back in the time. He, he sold them for, for little money. It was another way of working. You know, Back in the times, he was doing yeah. like uh, hundreds of sketches going to brands and they would buy uh, one, two, three sketches and use them. It was not a proper project, etc. Right. It was a totally other way. So um, I don't say they used him. It was the system back at the time. But mm. uh, and, and then abruptly, a couple of years after, they started to say, oh, but we can do something in terms of marketing with this guy. And so my feeling is very bad. Uh, Mm. And so that was also my way of paying homage to say, okay, once in a while, I will make a watch a bit the way you would have done it because Mm. I'm fascinated by his work and, and I would pay homage. and. People interpreted it uh, as kind of a copy sometimes, but I don't care. That was also my way to, you know, to, to communicate with him somehow on a designer's right. level. Sure. Yeah.
3: Oh, I will say that I, personally speaking, the Time Companion is a very nice watch, mm-hmm. and Thank it's you. it is also very distinct from, you know, the other sports watches that people hate so much. To me personally, yeah. at least, I feel it has its very own unique design language. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I uh,
0: hard, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs>
3: most welcome. Uh, but, so, after the TC1, mm-hmm. you released, I think, the Dietrich Device 1, right?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. It's... Um, maybe and it was an evolution of the OT3, kind of? Yes, it was a kind of a, a bastard baby. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the, the, the perception slept uh, in my back with Organic Time and, and had this. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
3: we actually forgot to mention the perception.
0: Yes, yes, yes. yes, oh, the yes. perception came earlier, I think, right? Uh, also 2017, the, the, the okay. same time I was doing the or revealing the Time Companion. And that's uh, the moment I started to be uh, bothered that I couldn't express uh, myself, mechanically speaking, or in terms of mm-hmm. complication inside the price range I was uh, located in. And I, I just wanted to do something. And I started not, not uh, long enough before Basel 2017, but in a huge rush, I, I achieved to have some prototype working um, at Basel. And actually, it was uh, a great success in terms of image. Uh, we never sold one uh, in this form, but um, it was a, a great help in terms of image. And yeah, I, I made this all over glass, all over the watch, mm-hmm. but I really liked in terms of aesthetic, and mm-hmm. I wanted to use it in a watch. So I, I used it in this DD1. Um, I must say it, it's uh, not an, it's a complicated... Uh, Aspect of a watch because it makes it fragile too. Uh, we had to learn. So aesthetically speaking, I really love it, but uh, since the glass is like on a cell phone, it was mm. also coming from this world, you know. And um, so it makes it make it a bit uh, sensitive, but I, I really loved it, and I tried to 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 find a balance and making like a more mature version of the organic time. Right. So I, I love this watch, but. Maybe it was just an in-between chapter, uh, mm-hmm, the right. story of O'Brien. Okay, um, I, I think the
3: perception is a watch that is so unique that I don't think I'm even going to try to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll put up a post. Uh, we'll put up a photo yeah, of it uh, yeah, on yeah, when the podcast yeah. comes up because I don't even want to try to explain the watch. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's yeah. very unconventional. Yeah, I, I was very,
0: very, very honored because a couple of uh, weeks ago, some, some guy of the team found the first copies of a perception in China mm-hmm. <laughs> the right. hexagon watch. So, a terrible <laughs> thing. But, you know, <laughs> it's the first official homage. So. <laughs> what, what,
3: what's the saying? Um, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's a compliment to you. Yeah,
0: a compliment <laughs> that all, all almost killed us in, in the organic time uh, phase. But but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah yeah yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. It, it was that bad at the time.
0: It was amazing. It was copied so fast and so mm. massively. Uh, it was a huge issue for us because uh, we have. I mean, we sold the watch, but uh, it was so massive that people, for example, in the US, uh, where the online business developed early. Uh, people people uh, were buying copies in China and putting them like secondhand watches uh, you know on Amazon or this kind of channel. Right. and And so they were selling for almost the actual price of a watch, copy, but mm-hmm. they bought for for nothing. And we wow. had a lot of complaints from clients saying, "Hey, I bought this watch on on Amazon or eBay, and I don't understand it doesn't work or it's scrappy." Right. And we had to make all these researches to ask them, sending pictures to explain them. We are sorry, it's a copy. Wow. And it really ruined our market there in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So wow. it's it's not uh, it's not funny. It's it's really uh, yeah, it happens. But Success can can just you know fire back. I,
3: yeah. I've actually never heard of this before. I mean, in in terms of this specific story,
0: yeah. yeah. Have you guys yeah.
3: heard of this before? Um, I'm sure Marsh has, mm-hmm. being being uh, Emmanuel's lawyer, so I'm sure <laughs> you know. <laughs> so really, you're just asking me. Yeah. So John, like, have you have you ever heard of this? Story no, before? this is the first time I've heard of it. Yeah, that's and that's yeah. crazy. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, uh, speaking about lawyers, um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I you had better to, ones I, than Marshall. I, I had nice to, not again, one, okay? again <laughs> I was very conscious of, of this aspect of, uh, of things, uh, but the story I told you about, about MS, I wanted to protect my rights, and I was working with, a, since a very early stage, with a, a, a patent, a IP uh, office in Paris, uh, helping me, protecting my ideas, etc., so I was aware of it. And, and with the organic time, I just had to understand, okay, there is the law and that's one thing, but you can protect everything. Uh, there is no possibility to protect yourself. You mm-hmm. just have to accept, you put something out in the world and if it has success, it will be copied. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, it, if there was a possibility to protect a model, then Rolex will destroy every copyist in the world, but yes. you cannot. Yes. You true. cannot. At, at some point, we uh, we bought a copy uh, from Reef Tiger. Actually, you can Google them. Uh, it's actually an, an OT one uh, with Reef Tiger instead of Dietrich on it. So I found it funny, interesting to have in my collection. So we 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 ordered it online. Right. We documented all the process, all the names, all the emails, the phones, uh, the companies. Uh, we we asked a lot of questions. Where is my vote when it is coming? To have all these tracks, these right. records and we gave it all to our lawyer in Zurich right. and he tried to find these people and nobody was existing. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, no company was registered, everything was just smoke. Right. So you cannot suit these people, you cannot go after them. All the system is organized like this and, and I must say China is supporting it because it's a huge industry there mm-hmm. so they, they are not Uh, They are slowly complying to to the international rules, but but Mm. very slowly, and and it's a huge thing. I mean, so
3: that's the way it
0: is. And it it really kills brands.
3: I I think these people um, are used to this by now, I think. They they know that they have to have fake numbers, fake names, fake emails, everything, you know. Like fake backstories as well. Fake backstories?
2: Yeah. Like they... They have like some fam. I, I can't. I can't remember which which brand it was. But then there was like huge. It was huge in like the. Oh right, that that um, sort of Rolex Submariner I looking one. I can't remember. I can't remember which which Instead one it was. Was the
3: Submariner? But, it was the Submersible or something like that, right? This is going back a few years, or so yeah, I Can't, yeah, can't yeah. remember the details of the story, but like,
2: it's right yeah, at the tip of my like, tongue, just, but I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but just the depths that that these people yeah. go into to create fakes.
3: Yeah. So, um, Emmanuel, if you don't know this particular story, um, mm-hmm. it was a huge expose, I think, because this guy came out as a micro brand. Mm-hmm. I think he claimed to be American or something. Um, then he claimed to have come up with this design. He claimed to come up with his own loom. Uh, but basically, in the end, what it looked like was something like a military submariner okay. with mm-hmm. the sword hands and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, some guy did a bit of an in-depth investigation into all this. And mm-hmm. somehow he managed to track everything down. Because I think this guy was trying to sell it in America. So they had to keep records. And then they actually found out that he was the same guy as someone who was selling fake Rolexes in China and Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't remember the exact name of the brand right now. But yeah, that, that was a crazy story. Yeah. And the worst thing is there was, there was evidence this guy posted up, screenshots, emails, everything, records mm. that he found, uh, you know, business and, and all these uh, copyright holders, etc. Mm. And people were still like, oh, this is a hit job from a different micro brand. You mm. just don't like that this guy is successful. So you're making all this up. Okay. okay. So mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think yeah. if you can find <clears throat> your audience like this, mm-hmm. uh, even when people prove you wrong, somehow you'll still find people that support this guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. which is crazy, yeah. but yes, uh, enough enough. I think about yeah. this Negativity, grim topic. <laughs> topic. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so we've covered now. I think uh, the latest few watches. Uh, mm-hmm. So the OT three, the mm-hmm. TC one, the Perception, and mm-hmm. uh, the Dietrich device one. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Uh, so that brings us up to the latest one.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and that is the Skin Diver one.
0: Yeah, that's where yeah. Marsh come to the, ma- to the map. Yes, <laughs> so I think so, let's,
3: let's
2: let us our our legal guardian introduce this latest yes, uh,
3: latest definitely, model. Definitely. Tell this, Marshall, and make sure you impress Emmanuel, or he'll be very upset, and us see. as well. <laughs> no, no pressure, your boss is watching, <laughs> and and your kids. Wow. Yes. Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So on a, I mean, for for the SD one, we initially started off. Um, a bit of a backstory because when I came on board uh, with Imano on this project, um, there was no plan to continue with the Dietrich brand. There was some uh, there were some difficulties that we were facing at the time, and then we just felt like uh, it wasn't feasible to continue the brand, right? And we were very focused on another one, which is Atelier, which we will come to later. Um, foreshadowing, yeah, foreshadowing. And then at one point, Imano <laughs> called me and he said. Um, you know, do you wanna? Do you think we should still continue under the Dietrich umbrella because of, you know, if you think back of all the projects that we uh, we put out so far over the years, we felt like we built something really special. Emmanuel, not me, sorry. Emmanuel has built something really, really special. Shanti, take credit. Um, well,
0: <laughs> uh, But it's yeah. the royal we, okay? We are a team, but not yet back then. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, so he he has
1: built something really special over the years, and despite the backlash. Of like really unreasonable people and whatnot, but you know there's something really, really uh genuine right there, and 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 if it would be a, a waste to let it just go and die, so hmm. he asked me to think of, try to think of something, uh like maybe if you were to create a watch under the Dietrich umbrella, what would that be, right? And it has to be something different. Hmm. So I, as someone who is not, you know, I'm not like. I don't. I don't have a designer education, anything like that. I do have some sensibilities to that, to that mm-hmm. part of the world, but I don't necessarily have like uh, the, the tools to really conceptualize anything like that. But I ask myself, like over the years, what would be a special, what would be a, a model that we want to put on the market that would appeal to people, and I also start thinking about what are the things that I don't like about the watches that I'm I'm seeing today on the market, right? Mm-hmm. So you see, like you see a huge variety of divers and and pilots watches and dress watches, but they all look so similar. There are a lot of things like even if we did find a design that is really nice, Mm -hmm. there's going to be something about it that we don't like. Right. Right. And I realized watches are are going to a point where they they keep getting bigger at a time. And then Mm -hmm. there's a trend of coming back to a small, because there is a market for that kind of uh, size. Right. And then I realized, I told Emmanuel, why not we do this? Why not we, we focus on, this is the 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 phrase that we use in our marketing material. We why not we reinterpret the iconic oh. templates of <laughs> the <laughs> iconic <laughs> templates of the past, which means, you know, if we were to do a pilot's watch or maybe a skin mm-hmm. diver, a diver mm-hmm. or a dress watch, we reinterpret that in our own language. Right. You know, of course, with we have to do it in a very ditch way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I brought up some examples. I said, let's do a skin diver first because the skin diver is something that you don't see every day anymore. It's not very functional. People mm-hmm. still make it and they're still, you know, it's it's still quite quite a charming template, I would say, and people tend to gravitate towards something like that. It's not serious. It's not like, oh, it's, it's a professional diver. I'll bring it to my expeditions and stuff like that. It's a fun, <laughs> fun watch. You know, I can wear mm-hmm. it to the beach and transition it to to the dining room and and, and it's, it's classy it's very light it's very thin and mm-hmm. it's very nimble you know that's the kind of feeling that we wanted to uh wanted to invoke in the skin diver template right right so i showed him a few concepts a few uh uh
3: images we i curated like a very uh, shitty mood board <laughs> so i, I yeah. just want to clarify like how, how did you get these images do you draw them yourself or uh there are some parts
1: that i have to draw myself i'm sure right. emmanuel can uh uh, can testify to my shitty drawings. but <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. But, but you know, I, I started thinking about the things, the aspects of dive watches, which I don't like. I don't like the fact that it's super chunky. I don't mm-hmm. like that it's massive. Sometimes mm-hmm. the bracelets are not even comfortable. And they just look look too... They look very close to its, you know, vintage counterparts. Mm-hmm. Right. And I felt like, shit, man, if we're going to do something, we have to really stand out. And it has to mm-hmm. be done in a way that is... People will look at it and be like, "Wow, it's that's a non-derivative design. It's not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't remind me of anything." Right. That was the center of my, my, my briefing. I would say, mm-hmm. I want I want uh, Imano to, to uh, explore that part of that universe. You know, you want to create a watch that doesn't remind you of anything, but there's a there's a sense of nostalgia that you just can't put a finger on it. Mm-hmm. It's a very a very specific idea. So I brought up um, so. Uh, in my in my list of images, I had a lot of leather jackets, you know, leather jackets, motorcycles. Um, <laughs> I brought up a lot of uh, images of the ocean. And, and there's right. something that that really, I felt like, I felt it resonated really strongly with me. Mm-hmm. It was that sense of balance. And I don't know if you guys felt this before, but there are times I feel like, you know, when we are so caught up in our daily lives, right? Mm-hmm. There were, it's just the hustle and bustle of the city and then you work 15, 16 hours a day and you just can't catch a break. And sometimes that little uh, like you walk out of the office and you felt that little glimpse of sun sunshine right on your face and it's that 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 momentary warmth that you feel. Mm-hmm. It just it can make make your day, you know. So that was the kind of feeling that I was looking for. And then I started exploring my memories again, like when I was back in the UK. I would lay down on the grass and it was like a nice weather, a nice breeze on my face and then the warm sunlight just, just Nice bust. weather in the UK? Yeah, yeah I was wondering. <laughs> <Or> maybe it's <laughs> nice to <laughs> me. I love I love the weather in the UK. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I there know. has to be
2: like at least one or two days out of a year where You're it's really...
1: Like British summer <laughs> is amazing. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna... Yeah,
0: it's,
1: it's really nice. So I think it was that transition between autumn... In summer, it's just mm. such a, it's such a, I don't know how to describe that feeling. Mm. And, and, and also, um, it also brought me back to the time when I was um, uh, uh, free diving in, in Thailand, right? Mm. And it was that moment Thanks. where you felt like when you're underwater and you <laughs> look up to the surface of the water and you see the gleams of sunlight coming through the water surface right. and you don't hear anything else. You only hear the water and you can see, you feel the warmth of the water. You see the schools of fish you know swimming around you Mm. it was that momentary bliss that you feel and i felt that we should try to conceptualize something like this into a watch because the world needs something like this right now you know this you know we're, we're we're going through such a terrible time we have to we need to hang on to hold on to something that reminds us of reminds us of those good times right so that was the center of the entire briefing that that sense of equilibrium uh and then Imano was also he 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 prompted me by mm-hmm. bringing up a lot of uh, different uh, designs that were made in the past that were centered around the concept of balance equilibrium, right? Right. So, um, oh, is there whose phone was that? <laughs> that's uh, that's our intercom. Don't worry. Uh, just anyway. just
2: more just more distractions on the Casey and John John
1: show. <laughs> don't um, worry. That's about. always. Uh, I'll it professional. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, where was I? Shit. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was the whole part of the center of that universe that we wanted to create with the skin diver. Mm-hmm. And then I, I told him that it's important to keep um, the dial as balanced and, and symmetrical as possible. Because one thing I don't like is, you know, I think you guys can, can also probably would agree with me, when you have, like, date windows at 4 o'clock, yeah. mm-hmm. and then, like, mm-hmm. really odd off-centered positions, it just yep. throws the entire dial off. Agreed, but I don't like dates as well. I don't like date windows, but I mm-hmm. but I do realize that from our last uh, collaboration with Notice, shout out Notice, um, sponsors, sponsors, <laughs> yeah, sponsors. Uh, <sighs> the date window, ver- the ver- the variants with the date windows, they usually sell better, right? Mm-hmm. Because people right. see it as a practical yes. function. Mm-hmm. And as the much general as, public wants dates. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember having this argument with a man. I was like, no, no, he doesn't want to put on a date because it's so pure. You don't want to ruin the design. <laughs> but I said, you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we found a way to... Uh, to yeah, when,
0: when's I, once I was convinced and didn't uh-huh. do a date, you came back with a date. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think we did... Uh, yeah. I, we, we, I think we, we managed to hide it in a way yeah. that's very... Mm. It's not so obvious. Mm-hmm. A lot of people has made have made a remarks on this because we, we hit the date at the six o'clock marker and right. it's not it's not like it's in your face or anything like that mm-hmm. so yeah i think the whole design um, process was centered a lot around water as well that's why you see a lot of use of usage of sapphire on the bezel mm-hmm. the crown the dial which is something i've never seen before i never seen any watches who like put on sapphire on the dial um and then we had like a fuming Effect on the, on the from the, stemming from the center of the dot as well to sort of resemble the water, right? You know that right. moment when you when you go like you jump into the sea and then there's this moment where you would go underwater and when you resurface you can see that that middle point yeah. of yeah you know what I mean right like yeah. underwater and then the the air yeah. it was that sort of illusion that we wanted to create mm-hmm. and then uh, initially uh, we had like an oyster case say no we can't do that we can't do an oyster case <laughs> so we're, so we're gonna get a lot a lot of flack for that you know and then mm-hmm. uh, i brought up some old vintage skin diver uh oh is that your dog <laughs> yeah my dog is <laughs> <laughs> sneezing to <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's adorable yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway
1: we we i brought back a lot of vintage skin diver cases and you realize there's this the luck's a little bit funny i don't know what to call that there's this straight um Emmanuel calls it a bonnet i don't know if you, that's something you guys are aware of. Yeah, I wasn't aware of it. I just knew that there was something, something really funny at the Lux, You know, mm-hmm. to, that was to um, prevent uh, mm-hmm. y- prevent the watch from having s- sort of like a gap between the case and the strap, right. which I also don't like in most of the watches that have mm-hmm. like standard lugs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we used that bonnet to cover up that space, and then uh, we integrated a uh, we brought back the TC bracelet as well because it was such an mm-hmm. iconic part of. the brand's history and and also with the hands you know the hands is such a also an iconic part of the organic time lineup so it was really a combination of taking inspiration from our older designs and also Mm. at the same time trying to reimagine what a skin diver would look like um, in today's world Mm. and i know there are many micro brands out there who are already making skin divers a lot Mm. of them are homage uh homage much what how much skin divers mm-hmm. and also if you were to look at some other brands I will name who they, they they claim their watches to be skin divers but when you look at it you just it just doesn't occur to you that it's a skin diver right so it has to be a watch that invokes a very strong emotion to it and mm-hmm. it has to be modern enough not too vintage and uh, which yep. is why we used a uh, we used a uh, uh, the, the hollow markers as you can see yeah. the yeah. hollow indexes and they were, we loomed it and uh, yeah it was I think it was a very um, it's a very well balanced design. Mm-hmm. Uh, great mm-hmm. size. Uh, although people are all giving us crap for it as well. <laughs> well, that's normal. Yeah. You know, yeah <laughs> at yeah. any size people. At any, any size, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I do think, you know, the market is going to a point where we are sort of settling with somewhere around 38 to 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it will go back to 40-ish, uh, 41, 42 Eventually. at some point. Yeah. But I just yeah. felt like dude, like if you think about it, a skin diver um, of that caliber, of, or maybe if you think of a skin diver, you wouldn't think of a skin diver at 43, 44. You know, that's going right. to be like a professional diver, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh. yeah. So that was where uh, we settled. And then, um, yeah, here we are. We are waiting for yeah. prototypes to arrive in a few days. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> Hopefully,
3: yeah. it will turn out great. Yeah. Hon- honestly, I'm excited as well to see, yeah. you know, the, the real-life prototypes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something interesting here because... Be- um, basically, Marsh, you're a new designer, right? In a way, this is your first design for a I watch, in a way. I wouldn't call myself a designer. I'll let Immanuel do all the work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just the guy I, who comes but, up yeah. with a concept. You know,
0: that leads to what we will speak about after, yeah. about Atelier, But yeah. um, as a designer, mm. it's much easier and better to work on a good briefing. Uh, right. you can uh, it, it's sometimes difficult to be isolated in your own world and, and to have just to create out of nothing because you tend, it's a human thing a normal behavior, to go back to your obsessions and mm. they are not very interesting uh, <laughs> you right. know, we, we yeah. tend to redo the same thing or to focus on, on, on details that maybe nobody cares about True, and so that's this chemical reaction I was speaking about is exactly this, like finding a good sparing partner like March, yeah. and having uh, yeah the, 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 this exchange and, and this this reaction to to his questions and, and to the images he's bringing into discussion, etc. And then you start to, to show to other people, and you have other inputs, and um, you have to to learn naturally to not do everything people are wanting, yes. or yeah. but you need this, uh, this interaction. And uh, mm. this is something I was lacking in, in, into the brand. Uh, maybe I protected me, myself from, from this, but I realized I had to, uh, to open and then to let someone coming uh, into my world and, and, and like f- having this collaboration. Mm. Yes. Mm. And uh, Marsh was the ideal person because uh, first he's uh, a genuine customer for this kind of watches. You know, he has the right age, the right, uh, very low financial power. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That is something you can change, Emmanuel. I have to go on record and say that's 100% accurate. I cannot, because if I pay him more... Then he will have more money and he will be less good at doing briefing for this kind of purchase. <laughs> so true. You know, I have to keep him as poor as possible. It, it's I a, agree. It, it's very hard to me. I, I'm <laughs> suffering,
3: but it's the way it has to be. This, this
0: <laughs> is
1: why I
3: cannot afford that Corona. <laughs> this, this is why this is a working partnership because Emmanuel is so wise. Oh yeah. god! <laughs> now I know your uh, your, your um, ulterior motives. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's ulterior. I think we told you. From now the now, start. now we're <laughs> now I'm fully aware of what's happening. But now yeah. we know why you don't pay
2: us.
0: Yeah, yeah. because Emmanuel doesn't pay me.
3: it's a great what, thing,
0: and I'm super what, happy about this this, uh, this collaboration and, and the mm. possibility to have uh, someone like Marsh on the team.
3: Yeah. And, and Marsh, what was it like? You know, what was the whole experience like for you? Um, you know, coming up with the, this design, and also you know, working for someone like Emmanuel, someone as great as Emmanuel. You
0: know? Oh no 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 stop! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, it was it was intimidating.
1: I'm not gonna lie because I mm-hmm. come from a background where, um, you know, I like art, but I I don't have that sort of. I, I, I'm not well-versed enough to, to come up with concepts and whatnot. You know, I can right. tell like, okay, this design will work. This little detail will work.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
1: coming up with, with, a, with a briefing for Imano was, was terrifying. <laughs> because there are <were> first <laughs> he, few he times... He's such a scary guy. Scary, because there are first <laughs> few times when I sent him... Um, you know, Obviously, I'm no longer a lawyer. Please don't quote me as that. But when <laughs> I was working, when I was practicing law... A lot of my notes were in point form, so when I sent Mm -hmm. him that for the first time, he went berserk. He's like, "What the (laughs) fuck is this?" You know, (laughs) knowing that it hurt my eyes so bad. What are these words? Yeah, there you go. So it it didn't occur to me that a designer is supposed to be really visual and not just like, "Oh, I'm gonna describe this to you and you're gonna do it." You know, Mm -hmm. so it was terrifying for me, and I was just uh, I remember when I was coming up with the with the briefing, the mood board. Uh, mm-hmm. Emmanuel was telling me, when is it coming? You're taking so much time because <laughs> I was Googling, <laughs> like, how the hell do I come up with a nice store, uh, nice mood board for a designer? <laughs> <laughs> putting it nicely so that it would, I'm trying. I'm putting a lot of effort to make the entire thing coherent, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so when you look at it, it, it sort of leads you, there's a flow to the thoughts right. and to the ideas. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of scary at first because I didn't know how he would react um but i came up eventually oh thank god but yeah <laughs> came up with a mood board that was clear enough for him to really go to work you know mm. and 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 i think if you look at the sd1 today i'm just glad that it worked out <laughs> right it's yeah it's funny
0: because i i feel sometimes that, that people just uh, have this in- Inside them, uh, yeah. you know, like naturally, yeah. and they just unlearned this by conceptualizing everything and complicating everything through yeah. work processes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for me, that was just pushing Marsh back to normality, just to, to doing things <laughs> a kid yeah. would, would, would do, just taking yeah. images, was, examples, speaking yeah. very naturally. Yeah, and he was coming with this complicated, structurating thinking. <laughs> it was, it was long. Yeah, <laughs> law the law the
1: legal profession, uh, profession like I think partially ruined me. <laughs> it made yeah. things a little bit more uh, complicated than it, than it yeah. should.
3: Right? You were already ruined before that. Yeah. Right? No make yeah. excuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but John, Thanks. you know you're an architect. So, what do you think of all this visual thinking? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm I'm just. Th- I'm just. Uh, I'm just fascinated
2: that um, Marshall didn't realize that you know people that work with within the
3: the re- realm of visuals, right? Mm-hmm. Would not think visually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that as well. But I do understand because, so I work in the emergency department, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I've always been more medical-based, physician-based rather than the surgical so. sites. Mm-hmm. Yes. But no, you see, the surgical sites, um, for example, if you have a wound, yeah. uh, you know, you draw it. Like, or if there's something in the eye, you draw the mm-hmm. eye and then you draw what's going on. I'm terrible at drawing. So I will do the same thing that Marshall does, I will write right eye, uh, upper outer quadrant uh, redness, you know, instead of just drawing it, I'll actually write it out, and then all the specialists will come, and then they'll be like, "Um, Casey, why didn't you just draw it? And I'm like, I can't draw. You can't draw an eye? No, well, in the I I just feel like it's it's okay. One day I'll draw an eye for you, and then you let me know. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll have to put it up in a Casey and John John. Yes, yeah. stories or something. Oh, you will. But that's why I kind of get where Marshall's coming from because I can't draw either. But I think Emmanuel, you're right because as a kid, I I did draw all the time. Yeah, you know, I'll draw cars and 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 yeah, yeah. spaceships and planes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. at some point. Uh, I, I just. Th- I think school them.
0: is school is terrible, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, life advice kids <laughs> advice. Yeah. Courses, don't, go, don't to go to school. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I told it to my kids but the whole time that I wanted to go. Kids tend to be very normal, you know. They, they want to do the same thing that every kid. <laughs> they don't realize. Now, mm. I, wh- what I learned is that, you know, in a lot of domains, you have. To have this abstraction of things, you can go further, you cannot mm. not go far in mathematics or science if mm-hmm. you don't learn this process of abstracting things and and uh, so you can work with numbers or concepts and it's totally okay, but some people can do it very good, and some not. I cannot do it, and there mm. is a world for me too. and this world yes. is hugely ignored because people ruling this world are concept people, so mm. it's sometimes very difficult to visual people to find their place and their form of expression Mm -hmm. and um, and indeed some people like uh, Marsh are learning very good this this abstract way but they still have this this childish way of expressing very directly feelings Mm -hmm. and uh, they have to find it back because it's also important in life generally and Mm -hmm. I think some people can master both I'm, I'm totally on the just visual emotional side and sometimes it's difficult for me to handle things in life, but, but needs with this, this, this rational thinking yeah. or uh, abstract thinking. But it's okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm still here, so I survive.
1: <laughs> the thing is about trying to find back that that naivety of mm. you know being yeah. just able to just express yourself. And I'm we, sure, yeah, I'm yeah. sure all of us here um, we had that phase when we were kids, right? And then for me, it was. I, I was terrible at math as well, you know, and I I thought I never had a few I wouldn't have a future because that's what people even you know, my teachers would tell me, yeah. like, dude, yeah. why are you,
3: yeah. you terrible? Yeah, yeah yes. you're terrible
1: at yes. this. So I worked really hard to mm-hmm. to recover from that and then try mm-hmm. to try to um you know um try to try to strengthen that part of my weakness, right? Right but who knew it would backfire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, ended up going to law, which has nothing to do with math. Uh, <laughs> no, you have to count your uh, your damages. You count your clients' uh, invoices. Oh, that's, so. that's But that. it's more
3: arithmetic though. It's nah, how, how much you know, money he's, he's getting from his clients. I won't understand
1: because there were formulas and all and I'm like, what? I, how much should I get per for our... Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to
3: escape this world. Why is it coming back
1: to haunt me, you know? Well,
3: you know, it, it's a good thing that you're bad at math because now you can't count how much Emmanuel pays you. So. Oh shit. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but okay, so um, I think we we've arrived. I think at the last chapter. So mm-hmm. um, after the skin diver is atelier. Yes. So uh, what is atelier?
0: Okay, it's uh, as Marsh uh, evoked it. Uh, I had a harsh time uh, last year because yeah, don't going deep into it, but yeah, life is sometimes complicated, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought I had to, to just quit Dietrich and do something new that, that, uh, that's like a rebirth to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again, I had this, this feeling that I need to tell more stories, and not just about myself, but <clears throat> to tell stories about the uh, encounters and, and, and reactions to people, and, and I don't know, to, to enrich my world. And one experience I had in the watch world uh, is that uh, it's a very strange mix of very good and very bad people you have mm. obviously I met a lot of super great people a lot of them are my friends now um, and you have also all this bad category of people attracted for the wrong reason reasons to luxury you know because mm. it's money because it's a lot of, I don't know, show-off, et cetera. I don't want to speak about them, but the, the good one, uh, I wanted to also to pay tribute to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought also about myself and, and, and my career and, and what makes Dietrich or myself and said, okay, the, the, the sole defining uh, criteria is creation, is I'm a designer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a watchmaker, so I do watchmaking, but from the perspective of a designer. Mm. So if I want to, to raise some attention and, and maybe bring something that could interest uh, people or viewers, it's maybe speaking more about creation because creation is not uh, something brands are talking about. They, they, mm. they try to be open, so they open their workshops, they, they show production, uh, they make a legend of it, so they, it's very marketing-ish, uh, but they never show the, the moment where really things happen, where, where the, mm. the watch is born. And I just had like an illumination. So, oh, let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. let's invite kind of a client that will be a guest. So that's the way to, to pay homage to the, the people I met and say, OK, come to me. Give me your briefing, whatever it is. I don't care mm-hmm. because I can do everything and mm-hmm. I will react to it. I will create your watch especially for you. But we will do it in a limited edition for you and my community. And right. we'll try and see if it works. But we Mm -hmm. will document this process and show it so that actually watch nerds can also come into my world, come into the the, Mm -hmm. the, the period of creation of a watch. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. I think it's a strong idea. I don't know if it will work or not. We will see. But uh, I think it's at least an idea that resonates uh, very strongly to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started it uh, with a a dear friend of mine, Arm Cindy, a.k.a. The Orophile. Uh, okay. That was one of uh, the guy. Uh, actually he was the guy who, you know, the first Basel I made with organic time, uh, I was exhausted at the end of the fair. It was a very successful time uh, of presentation, but also, you know, the beginning, I was super scared to place the first order, everything, and I was half asleep uh, outside <laughs> of the fair after four days of intense <laughs> meeting, sure. marathon, and I heard, hey, Mr. Dietrich, Mr. Dietrich, and that was actually, Arm um, but... Uh, who recognized the watch on my wrist he had mm-hmm. seen on, on some social media, I don't know and he made the first picture he posted it on his uh, channel on Verofile that helped us tremendously and that was the beginning of, uh, of a great friendship so inviting him in first is also mm-hmm. yeah, my way of, of paying homage to him uh, we also made the first special edition of the O.T. with him the OTH. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah it was a um, yeah, part of the ID, and mm. we are in the middle of a process, or almost at the end. We are producing all the material. We are planning to come out. I don't know in September or something like this. Mm. And to be honest, uh, I mean, kind of, we didn't have the first prototype, so I don't know if everything will, yeah. will work, etc. I'm I'm cautious, but uh, it's a very exciting uh, project. It's very exciting watch. It's, it's Great story, so super yeah. happy. It, it feels good. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so when something. are we doing a uh, Casey and John John edition? <laughs> yeah.
3: Also sponsors of <laughs> the ambush <comes laughs> yeah. In. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Emmanuel. You can pay us just a little bit or less than Marshall, it's fine. <laughs> but uh this this reminds me a little bit of um MBNF, Max Milan Boujo in Friends. Yeah, yeah. A mm-hmm. little bit, right? Like some because he was also a designer, I think.
0: Right? No, and then, yeah, no? no, no, I don't think so. No, no. Oh, okay. Max Buser comes more from the, uh, the the mark of marketing. Yeah, mar- market part. Uh, like he's conceptualizing, uh, you know, ideas and concepts. But then right. he works uh, with a designer, mainly with uh, Eric Giroux, with a very well known. A watch designer, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they are working together. So I think it's also the, this kind of ping pong between two persons. Right. Uh, but the, the one actually holding the pen or the, the mouse mm-hmm. is uh, Eric Giroux, and right. um, they, they were working close together. But they never showed uh, this part of a work. And yes, I think I was going to say they yeah. never
3: show anything behind the
0: scenes. Yes, yes, and right. that's exactly what we want to do: to just show mm-hmm. the behind the scene. At the moment of the creation, to, mm-hmm. to uh, show me receiving the briefing, to to show the first presentation exactly mm-hmm. as I would do for a client, you know, and uh, then to show the actual product, and then so that uh, viewers can understand this, this, yeah, this chemical process, this
2: mm-hmm.
0: this phase of of creation, that's that it, at the beginning of everything. So somehow that's, that's the most important moment. Yeah.
2: I so you could have EDNF.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I think that That's would be a
2: nice name for us, <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> not Atelier, not Atelier. EDNF, EDNF. Yeah. But
3: mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think this this really speaks to us as a team, right, Marsh? Because hmm. we we always have been talking at Teamatic about telling stories that are less told. Yeah, you yeah. know. Talking about parts of watches that no one has talked about before, mm-hmm. um, which is why when we did our collaboration with Notice again, shout out Notice sponsors, mm. um, we we paid a lot of attention to telling people what happened behind the scenes. Yeah, like how did we approach Notice? How did we get to working on the design? Mm. How long we took to you know look at renderings and things like that, and even down to how we organized the event. Yeah, yeah. Because like I think the, yeah. Sorry, go on, right? Because it's, it's something I think no one really talks about. Yeah, you know, it's always here's the finished product. Here's the event. Come. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, so but no one. Yeah, the mm-hmm. only like behind the scenes processes on like
2: Kickstarter. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that that's the only one. Yeah, it's but just, also yeah. this is
0: becoming less and less genuine. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it but becomes in more, the, more artificial. In the luxury world, uh, they always <laughs> in marketing departments. I was working with always. Talked about post rationalization, Mm -hmm. so you do the the actual working process, and after you will invent this working process to sell it to the customer to make it great. And here we're just trying to be honest, you know, just to show like it's actually happening. Because as such, it is great enough. Yeah.
3: Like I remember people asked us why we designed the collaboration watch in the way that we did. You know, they asked us like what's the story behind it and then we honestly we just told them that the story is we thought this design looks good yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely there, yeah, we yeah. have no heritage in making mm. watches mm. we are not paying homage to anything um mm. there was no no none of us were walking outside and saw the rays of the sun and then got inspired by it mm. we just mm. did the design and it looked good and we like yeah, that. that was yeah. that was we were just very upfront about that. I mm-hmm. think. I mean, to
1: to do to create something out of nothing is just, it would be just disingenuous, right? So mm-hmm. that's why when when Imano brought up the whole concept of Atelier, and all, it just like, well, what does it feel so familiar? You know, we've done something like this, but yeah. this is probably on definitely on a higher level, not probably. Oh, yeah. So yeah, with the whole notice thing, there was a lot of uh, like you said, there was a lot of focus on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and we even like openly t- told everyone that. The watches arrived on the day of the event. Yes, <laughs> that was crazy. So, like, I think the highs and the highs and the lows—they're all important part. They're all—they're all very important to telling like the story of the watch itself. It's not just mm-hmm. like coming up with a story and trying to sell it, you know. Yeah. So that itself exactly. is a story, and I don't understand mm-hmm. why a lot of brands they don't—they uh, just try
3: to hide that part of it. I think. Yeah. I think it works. You know, at the end of the day, you know, like Emmanuel, you're saying you know a lot of it is in a way it's almost dishonest right? Because yeah. they make the design and then they make the story to fit the design. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it works because people like that, because yeah. people like that kind of story.
0: Yeah. Also, if you think back to what I was saying about Geragenta, uh, this is also mm-hmm. a way to say, okay, today we can record things, we can keep a memory in a very easy way. So yeah. let's start with it, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't see myself as a great designer or, or legacy thing, but I just want to show that, that this is a part of a world that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, it certainly interests uh, watch aficionados, and, and secondly, uh, it's important to yeah to, to show it. It's... Yeah,
3: and I, I and think also it. Yeah. It, it it comes back to being organic again yeah. because mm-hmm. the process of making a watch, I think, is also very organic, mm-hmm. meaning it's very messy because nature is messy. Mm-hmm. It's it's never perfectly clean and simple. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes there's there's problems along the way, mm-hmm. but. When you tell a story about a watch, I think a lot of brands don't want to tell you the problems. Yeah, they just want to give you the fairy tale that everything went perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
3: I think, yeah, Emmanuel, like just maybe um, a comment from our side, um, it would be interesting as well. I think if you could show us the obstacles you faced oh, when yeah. you made the watch. I mean, yeah. you know, you'll see yeah. it very soon. <laughs> 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 it's already something in the
1: works, and nice. just a few days ago, we were just like, yeah, we have to show the difficulties and. Australia. Yes,
0: but, mm-hmm. you know, this is something interesting because as we were speaking about, uh, one of the legends of mm-hmm. every brand is the difficulties because it's something people love to hear. Yes. Every brand yeah. talking about a new model says, ah, oh, you know, it took three years in development. It's an amazing mm-hmm. load of work. It's crazy. Yep. We put so yep. much resources. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's just bullshit. <laughs> and what I also want to show here is that mm-hmm. things can also work very good. You know, you can mm. also, actually the project we do, okay, it's not done. Maybe uh, we will face difficulties in the, in the technical development uh, that is ongoing. But actually in the creation process, it was super smooth. Mm. And that's just because, you know, there were the, the right persons at the right moments. And this, this chemical reaction worked perfectly between the briefing of, of someone with a great personality and, and the designer. Mm-hmm. And also, this is sometimes we sh- we should say sometimes that life can be simple and enjoyable and great. And, and, you know, I, <laughs> just I was going to say
3: <laughs> it's it's interesting that the watch brands sometimes create a perfect
0: story, yeah, yeah. and they
3: also sometimes create problems. Yeah, to, to say that we overcame them. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> this is a modern legend. This. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> Okay. Um. I. I think we've. We've actually gone uh, a little bit past our usual time, but we've been doing this for the past. We've been couple doing of that, yeah. yeah. I think every ever since we hit like forty. Yeah. We. We've been. You mean thirty nine a. Thirty nine a. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Before you know we end. Um. A- any last things you want to tell us, Emmanuel Marshall? Uh, buy the SD one. <laughs> <laughs> Just buy the SD one. You won't regret it and then by the affiliate eventually right. <laughs> the affiliate was yeah.
0: yeah
3: Emmanuel any parting words any teasers anything you want to leave us leave our listeners
0: with no right now I just think about that I have to rush to dog school and, and that's really... <laughs> oh no <laughs> okay so
3: you know in that case we're just going to end the podcast Um, again yeah. Emmanuel thanks so much for taking the time yes. to join us here today yes. um, thank you very much I don't, I don't nice think we had to chat
0: to... with you guys yeah
2: we don't really have to thank Marshall. That's nah, it's okay. Yeah. I don't really need yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and well, um, we we hope to we hope to be, you know, part of Atelier with a Casey and John John <laughs> edition
3: soon. Oh my! God. <laughs> you guys had this all planned out all along, didn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Interesting>. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, on that on that uh, future sponsorship note, uh, mm-hmm. thanks so much again, and uh, you know, we we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We we definitely enjoyed making this one. Oh yes, absolutely.
0: Um, a lot. So, thank you all.
3: Thanks so much. And we'll see you guys in the next one.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Casey and John John Show. The Casey and John John Show may cause abdominal discomfort,
1: flatulence, reduced sex drive, and alcohol dependence. The Casey and John John Show is approved by one out of 10 doctors. Casey and John John do not take any responsibility for any side effects experienced from listening to their podcast.